Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. To RF Sports Radio, I'm your host Rodney Fisher. I'll be joined by my co-host Royce Fisher here in just a second. I want to welcome everyone to our program. Those of you guys tuning in for the first time, I want to welcome you to our third year of broadcasting Real Fan Sports Radio. And I also want to welcome you to go to our website rfsportsradio.com or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com/rfsportsradio. So without further ado. So much to talk about going on in the world of sports from the NFL Wild Card Weekend, the BCS, the Dallas Mavericks, and of course to the NBA as well. So I want to welcome everyone to our program. Let's go ahead and get started here. If you guys listen to us live, you can give us a call at 323-927-2906. That's 323-927-2906. And you guys can get on and give us your sports talk from a fan's perspective. I want to start off the show real quick and just thank everyone for making this our third year of broadcasting. And we've had so many good times over the past uh, two and a half years. And this really, this third year is going to be a big year for us. We've got a lot of stuff planned. We've done a lot of live events. We've got a bunch of live events coming up here in the new year, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But let's talk about the NFL, first of all, with Wild Card Weekend. And I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of, I don't know, Saturday just wasn't really a good football day for me. I was expecting a little bit more out of the wild card weekend. Wasn't really any kind of wild cards in on Saturday's games. But let's go ahead and jump into the game, the first game of that Saturday, which was the Houston Texans taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Texans win 19-13. to And I don't know about you guys, but looking at Houston, I don't really fear that much when it comes to the Texans. I mean, they really didn't seem like they came out ready to play. I know Aaron Foster had a good game. I know Matt Schaub had his first playoff win in nine seasons. Sounds strange, I know, but I don't really see too much of fear from the Texans. Let's go ahead and bring on my co-host here who is finally joining us, Mr. Royce. Mr. Royce, how you doing today, sir? Good morning, Rodney. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Third-year broadcasting. I feel good. I feel 
well rested. I feel like it's uh it's about time for us to really get this third year off off and uh, running. Yeah, a uh, great weekend for sports, especially if you're a football fan and basketball fan as well. But I, you know, I gotta agree with you on this Houston team. You know, despite their record, we know they have a great record. This first year, they really had a winning record and won a playoff game. But I'm like you, I'm kind of skeptical about this team because. At times, they played brilliant. At times, they were awful. And without Aaron Foster and the running game and the passing game, I don't think this team would be that great. The defense started out being one of the best defense in the league. But, you know, I'm starting to question them, too, now for their decisions. But uh, the record speaks totally different, of you know, of with this team. But, you know, I'm like, you people can't put a grass on it. You know, they did beat some good teams, and they lost to some terrible teams. But I, I don't have a lot of faith in Houston either. Until they win or go to the next round, I, I'll be a believer then. I really felt like, though, that Marvin Lewis and the Cincinnati Bengals missed a big opportunity by not, you know, taking enough chances, especially in that first half. I mean, in the first half, they go into uh, halftime uh, only down by four points. And right. during the whole first half, they didn't target. They didn't even throw it to A.J. Green the entire first half. And I thought that was strange to me. I thought they would definitely take a chance with their best receiver, even if he was in a lot of cases double covered or even single coverage. He's one of those receivers, if you throw it up for him and give him a chance to grab the ball, I think he's going to win most of those battles. But I was really surprised at how conservative they were. And even when the run game was working with the law firm, uh, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis during the first half, they went away from that two, only rushing the ball really three times in the first half for any positive yardage. And I just didn't think the Cincinnati Bengals took, took enough chances. I thought they were waiting until the end of the game. And it proved to be a, a game that they couldn't win. I mean, you only had one touchdown from Aaron Foster. He did have 140 yards rushing on 32 carries. But Matt Schaub just seemed didn't seem in his element either. I mean, what do you think about Schaub's right. first postseason win, his first postseason start? But can he be the quarterback that the Texans need to try to go into New England and beat the Patriots. You know, he reminds me a lot of, like, Joe Flacco. Uh, of some games he's brilliant, some games not so brilliant. But as long as he does enough not to turn the ball over, uh, like I said, because he had so much talent on this team, but he's not, really not a great quarterback. And, you know, this could cost Marvin Lewis his job this game because I'm like you. I, I didn't see a lot of uh, – aggressiveness on the Cincinnati team, you know, as far as play calling from the coaches, and they were too conservative. And these are the kind of games that you really let your offense wide open, you know. And uh, I don't know if Green was hurt or they were double-teaming, but like I said, for him, your playmaker not to get a pass in the first half, that, that just doesn't make sense to me. But this game could very well cost Marvin Lewis his job because they were not aggressive. This is not how they got to the playoffs. They didn't get their way no. by playing conservative. So I, I was really shocked and kind of disappointed in the game. But, uh, you know, if you're a Houston fan, you have to be excited about this because, you know, they really believe in this team uh, having went to a Houston game this year. These guys are really fired up down there about this team, and they believe, but I'm not a believer. You know, it was a lot of pressure on Matt Schaub and the Houston team, you know, losing so many games going to the playoffs. Everybody in Houston wanted to see what was Schaub going to do. 
And I think they're happy about the win, but they can't be happy about their chances going into New England, especially after New England spanked them as hard as they did earlier during the season. Um, and we talked about the running game. Ben Jarvis Briellis had 11 carries, but had 63 yards. I mean, it sounds right. like you should have rode their running game a little bit harder. And I, I don't think he had but, uh, what, 30 yards in the first half? Not even 30 yards in the first half. Yeah, but just on just on three carries, you know. Three right. carries for, yeah. for uh, over 30 yards in the first half. Sounds like they should have stuck with the running game a little bit more. Absolutely, and like I said, they didn't play within the character of the team, you know, like Jarvis Green Ellis was the featured back, you know, all year, and he carried at least 30 times a game, and for him to not carry the ball at all, I don't, I don't understand it. And I couldn't see what Houston was doing any different. I know they have a great defense, but uh, we got to credit Wade Phillips with whatever scheme they came up with, it worked because it changed the whole offensive scheme for Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It so maybe did. something Wade Phillips did that, that really, I don't know if he was disguising stuff or, or doing some stuff, but, you know, we he is a defensive genius. So, you know, maybe something they did to take them out of the element. That wasn't typical Cincinnati football. Well, be very careful with how you use the word genius when you describe uh, Wade Phillips. Of course, we know <laughs> how he is as a head coach. So be careful about that But that's that what they say. That's the description that they gave him. I haven't gave that description, but, you know, they have, people have called him a genius. So we'll That's see. True. He can be a genius that. if he can pull off a win against the Patriots. Yeah, you're right. If he can stop it's Tom Brady and company, he will be a genius. Let's jump into Saturday night's game real quick, and that's the uh, Green Bay Packers defeating the Minnesota Vikings 24-10. Uh, to 10. And I knew this game was going to be out of hand once I found out that Joe Webb was going to get the start of a Christian Ponder. And Joe Webb just looked – he looked terrible out there. Throwing passes in the ground. Uh, Adrian Peterson had 99 yards and 22 carries, but, of course, with no threat to throw the ball. And and even if Joe Webb was supposed to be this dual-threat quarterback, he didn't do a good job of being a threat at all. And all they had to do was stop the run, and it was an easy win for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, it, it's kind of sad to see Peterson in, you know, this year, a greater year as he had. But you, you're right. Without Ponder's quarterback, the threat of the pass was not there. All they had to do was concentrate on stopping Peterson, which they did do a good job. But, you know, they, he couldn't carry the whole team by itself. This team was built on passing and running the ball. The pass was set up to run, which gave him such a great year this year. But, uh, you're absolutely right. I have never seen so many balls thrown in the dirt by a quarterback in the NFL in my life. Uh, I don't know if it probably was first game, Jeddah starting the game, but seemed like to me, I saw Potton on the sideline throwing balls. He could have played. We saw Robert Griffin play hurt. And these are the kind of games that quarterbacks do play hurt. I would put him in there until he really messed up. You know, I, I, he had to take that chance. You know, you know that, that's, what I want, that's what I want to spend a little time on is because, like you said, you know, how hurt was Christian Ponder? You know, you right. got a guy in Joe Webb who only took three snaps all season, didn't throw one pass all season, and yet right. you just make the decision to go ahead and put him in in order to – In a playoff game, on the road right. against your division rival, the Green Bay Packers, and, and, and I'm like you, I would have put Christian Ponder in until he made a mistake. And then we with Joe Webb. I think after you saw right. what RG3 did yesterday, you got to wonder, could this guy play it hurt? 
Absolutely. And you knew the Packers were coming after him. We saw that all day long. And, you know, he didn't help the situation by throwing bad passes. But, you know, with with the Packers defense and everybody being healthy, there's no way in the world they even had a chance of winning. Yeah. And you're right, but everyone being healthy, especially Charles Woodson, who come back from, comes back right. from the uh, collarbone injury, and he just basically changed the whole dynamic for Adrian Peterson when it comes to rushing the ball. Of course, he had 199 yards against the Packers the week before, and now they're limiting him to 99. And basically because Charles Woodson is playing like that extra guy in the box, he's playing right. safety, but he's playing up there on the line, and makes it even more difficult for you know AP to get the running the ball or for the – Offense to do anything. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I was shocked. Uh, you know, Green Bay is a great team. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's been on this stage before. He knows how to win. And, you know, you get a healthy Green Bay team, they're dangerous. They really are. So, you know, Green Bay is really in my list for guys to go on to the Super Bowl because, it, it, you know, this team's been there before. They're great. And the receivers are healthy. They had great uh, – Production out of receivers and Minnesota didn't have a chance. Minnesota fans should be outraged. And you know, like I said, I don't know how bad Christian Pine was, but you know, up until game time, he was gonna start. Mm-hmm. But uh, they could have gave this guy more practice time during the week, and I'm pretty sure they didn't prepare for that. But you could tell he was not in any kind of quarterback ready shape to lead the team in the playoff game, especially yeah, very Bay. very. Very interesting uh, game for the Vikings, but they do lose. They go home, and the Packers now will face the San Francisco 49ers on the West Coast. Next week, that should be a good game, a game to see who's going to go to the NFC Championship between uh, two good teams. So I look forward to that game coming up. Let's jump into Sunday's games real quick, Royce, and start out with Sunday's uh, Baltimore Ravens defeating the Indianapolis Colts. 24-9, 24-9, we saw Ray Lewis, of course, announce his retirement earlier that week. And I, I want to start with the beginning of the game because watching him do that dance, an introduction dance uh, in front of the home crowd for the last time, I mean, there's certain things that happen in sports where you just sit back and kind of watch. And I can imagine Absolutely. everyone in that stadium, every player on both sides of the field watching Ray Lewis do that dance for the last time in the home crowd. They had to be something special. And I had to sit back and just – watching all at it myself. Absolutely. You know, Rodney, there were a few things in football that I can remember that will be in my memory the rest of my life. One was Jim Brown's last farewell tour, and, and now Ray Lewis' farewell tour. I, you could tell the emotion. You know, I could feel it through my TV when he came out, like you said, and did his dance for the last time. I felt the emotion as a football fan. Watching my TV, I can imagine what the emotion was at the stadium. And, you know, there's no way Baltimore was going to win that game <laughs> because Ray Lewis has always been the leader of this team. He's always fired the guys up. Even when he wasn't playing, he was hurt. And for him to come back and play in this game was really huge. And, like I said, this would be something that would be stuck in my memory for the rest of my life because Ray Lewis is one of the great linebackers that I've ever seen play and put. Where he started out to where he is now is a great story. If you ever get a chance, uh, 3030 did a story about him. You know, and uh, years ago, he was probably the most hated guy in football, and now he's probably the most loved guy 
in football. Yeah. But the Ravens, you know, right around him, they go as he goes. And let me tell you, they played a great game yesterday. You know, all the way back to Joe Flacco, which I talk about a lot. But I, I, I thought it was a great win for Baltimore. And listen, uh, Denver better come ready. Yeah, they better be ready. But, you know, I think with the Colts, I don't think they should have anything to really be ashamed of. I mean, they had a two-win football team last year. They've overcome so much this year from their head coach, Chuck Pagano, his uh, cancer uh, diagnosis and the Chuck Strong movement all year. They get into the playoffs with a rookie quarterback in Andrew Luck who looks like he's going to be the real deal. But Andrew Luck was just up against too much uh, on on yesterday. I mean, he had – Ray Lewis and the emotion of the stadium and him playing his last home game. You had his head coach who's been coaching them the entire year, his offensive coordinator, Bruce Aarons, go to the hospital before the game. He wasn't available yeah. to be there. Right. And then you had the right. quarterback coach calling out of plays who hadn't done it all season. You got Chuck Pagano really head coaching for the second time this season. And it was just so much for him to overcome. But I think that, look, like most good quarterbacks, and I'm talking about like the Peyton Mannings and – uh, right. People like that, they have their, their playoff loss, you know, their first time to get in there. It really drives them and motivates them to greatness later on throughout their career. I think this was that type of loss for Andrew Luck. And, you know, this had to be the biggest surprise franchise in the NFL because there was a big question mark over this team. They picked Andrew Luck. Everybody thought they should have got Robert Griffin. But uh, they found him a quarterback. He's Peyton Manning-like. The guy is a leader. He's proved himself this year to be a leader, and he's going to be a franchise quarterback. And to go from what they went last year, like I said, only two wins, to make it to the playoffs, you know, it was a great success. They do have something to build on now. But like you said, I think the Baltimore, they were just overwhelmed by Baltimore, and they went through a lot this season. And, you know, uh, it's one of the Cinderella stories of the season this year. Yeah, I think no two teams went through more adversity than those two. You know, from losing players to losing the coach to losing the coach right at the beginning of the game before the game starts. I mean, both of those teams right. went through a, a lot, and to make it there was definitely a big deal. Let me ask you real quick before we move on to the last game of the wild card weekend. The Ravens defense did their job. They didn't allow any touchdowns throughout the um, throughout the game. Joe Flacco did his job. No interceptions for Flacco. No turnovers for right. him. 282 yards, which is what you, what you want your quarterback to do in the uh, playoffs. But you had Ray Rice turn the ball over twice, two lost fumbles right. from him, which is really uh, really an aberration right. for him. But how much momentum can they ride from Ray Lewis? You know, can this carry them to a Super Bowl is, is a big question. Well, I tell you what, Rodney, if they did win the Super Bowl, what a story that everybody would be talking about the next day, that'd probably be the biggest story all summer long if they did come back and win it. Uh, I, I don't trust Flacco. I think the Broncos are a much better team with Peyton Manning. It would be a great test for Baltimore. If they can get past the Co- uh, sorry, the Broncos, uh, then there's nobody else to stop them but New England. So, I, you know, I, I have to go with Denver on this one. I think they're a lot, lot better defense is just – good as Baltimore's defense, but when you have Peyton Manning at the ham, and, and I think it's going to come back to coaching and quarterbacks, uh, I think Peyton Manning is a much better quarterback than Joe Flacco. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. But it's going to be a good game. I mean, that, that's going to be a, a great Absolutely. game to watch next weekend. 
Let's jump to the last game last night. The the game I thought was the best game of the weekend. The Seattle Seahawks who are on the road and they defeat the Washington Redskins. The only the only road team to win throughout the whole weekend had to be the Seahawks. They won twenty four to fourteen over Washington. And of course, the big story for this game is how the first quarter was just dominated by the Redskins. RG three throwing two quick touchdowns. And then after he took that fall on the scamper trying to get to the goal line, wasn't the same ever since. And Russell Wilson and that Seattle Seahawks defense just took over from that point on. And and you and I both have been saying throughout the NFL season to watch out for Seattle. They got a good team, a good young team they put together with a good young quarterback. And it was on display. For those that haven't seen the Seahawks play, they know what all the hype was about. They have to see this team now and consider them to be legitimate contenders for a Super Bowl title. I mean, Pete Carroll's got those guys playing with a college-like atmosphere, as you mentioned a lot, and they've got some young guys that are flying around the ball, and they they just dominated the game for three quarters. Absolutely. I think the magic again from the first game of the season when they beat Green Bay, up in Green Bay, the magical pass, everybody remember that one, when they won the game at regulation, in the regulation. And for them to pick Russell Wilson was questionable by everybody. But I guess Pete Carroll saw something in this guy, and he was proven to be right. Russell Wilson played one of the best games I've seen a rookie quarterback play ever. And, you know, I had my doubts about him, but I never doubted this team because, you know, all along we talked about I could you, – you, nobody could name seven starters or even six starters on that team. Mm-hmm. And they turned uh, – uh, Pete Carroll's done a fantastic job with this team for drafting. You know, even his uh, defensive backs are big guys. You know, most teams have small defensive backs. These guys are huge. And if you look at the, the makeup of this team, all these guys are really great shape, their physical condition. They, they fly after the ball. They give an extra hustle. And you're right, they play just like a fired-up college team. And you, you can watch Pete Carroll on the sidelines. He, you know, he's animated with the team. He's like one of the guys. It, that has to be one of the best locker rooms in the NFL, man. These these guys are dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think you want to play them, that's for sure. I don't think anybody wants to play them. And uh, Russell Wilson proved last night that he needs to be mentioned with the other rookie class, uh, Robert Griffin and the rest of them. I felt sorry for Robert Griffin. I don't think this is the way he wanted to play his last game. But, you know, you have to be happy for Washington. They have found a quarterback, too. Uh, This guy is a proven leader. He's proven to be not only a passing pocket quarterback, he's a great running you know, he played, he played, they made the offense for him. Uh, I hate to see him hurt. And, uh, you know, people have been talking about maybe he shouldn't have played at all. But Shanahan did a smart thing. He drafted two quarterbacks. You know, couldn't mm-hmm. come in and gave them a chance. But him having not played a lot, he's not Robert Griffin. But in any other system, he probably would be a starter. But, I, you know, Seattle was just a little bit more physical, a little bit more determined to win. You know, I've always questioned Washington's defense. You know, they were always suspect. But, you know, you got to give it to Seattle and Pete Carroll and that organization with a great recruiting class. You know, a lot of rookies played in that game, and they played a perfect game. 
And speaking of Seattle, well, what about Marshawn Lynch? 20 carries, 132 yards. And that play when he picked that fumble up off the ground to take it for another scooped 18 yards. <laughs> that was, that, 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 that saved the game. That, that, that right, right there saved the game. They could have been a totally different game had they gotten Absolutely. that fumble, maybe went up uh, 21 to 3. I mean, that could have been a huge, huge uh, turnover. And for him to scoop that ball up and have the wherewithal to rush it for 18 yards was huge. Let me ask you about RG3, though. 10 for 19, 84 yards. Of course, he went out in the fourth quarter after he uh, fell and just couldn't get up. We all knew he was hurt after that second right. touchdown throw. But do you feel like Shanahan made a mistake by leaving him in as long as he did? Do you think he should have made the switch a lot earlier? Well, you know, that's a good question. After the game, I thought he did because you don't want a, you know, an injury that's going to really – Mess him up, but I will say this much: it, it, it was probably no way you could have kept Robin Griffin off that field anyway. You know, you had to take that chance to go with him and see how he feels. You know, he, he we've seen guys play hurt before, but the guy has guts. You know, for him to get out there, and I'm pretty sure it was worse than what he said, because he, he, you could tell the guy limped the whole game. He, he you know. Even when he ran the ball and was tackled, he got up. They were coming after him all night long. And for him to uh, to, to go out and play and, and give it a try, you, you got to get a guy. He has a big heart. He really does. But it's a playoff game. Watching that, been in that situation in a while. We saw Tony Romo play here with bruised ribs. So, you know, it's nothing new, but he gave it a shot. It didn't work. And he, and, you know, on the sideline, we saw him with his head down. You know, Robert, I got something to tell you. You have no reason to hold your head down. You did a great job. And for Washington to get back to some kind of dominance uh, is all on his shoulders. Yeah, I mean, and, and I agree with you. I don't think that he left him in too long. I think, you know, when you have someone that took you to eight straight wins and got you an right. NFC East title, they're allowed to play until they know they can't play. And and I don't think Shanahan Absolutely. would have been scared to take him out because no. I saw the press conference after the game. Shanahan said he went to him, you know, at halftime and talked to him extensively about, hey, can you go? Should I bring the other guy in? Do you want to play? And Robert Griffin III, you know, as an athlete like he is, he told Shanahan, look, I may be hurt, I may be in pain, but I'm not injured. I can still play the game. He said he went to him after almost every series and talked to him, hey, are you right. ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and they, we, they got and the he, best. You saw that. Yeah, you saw that. And they got the best doctor in sports, Dr. James Andrews, who everybody goes to to get repaired. I mean, from baseball to football to right. basketball, he is the authority when it comes to knee injuries or any kind of joint injury that may occur. I mean, he, he look how he repaired Adrian Peterson's knee. I mean, right, I would think right. that you would trust his opinion and, and ride with that. I don't think there's any problem with for as long as he played because he's got that magic that you want to have. And let's face it, Kirk Cousins came in, didn't do that well. He was 3 for 10, you know, right. for 34 you know, yards. So, and he he, he couldn't keep up with that pace either. Right. And especially the way Seattle was playing, there's nowhere in the world he could have kept up with that place, having not played, you know, any. But uh, I hope the MRI is negative. Tomorrow for Robert Griffin, we don't want him to have a, uh, you know, had to have surgery this summer. We'll see. But, like I said, uh, for him to ch- change his franchise around, I thought was fantastic. Great year. His numbers are off, off the chart. He will be one of the elite quarterbacks 
in football in the next coming years. Yeah, they got a they got a great start, a great start to a long time of winning in Washington, a great rookie class, and of course a great draft class uh, the year before as well too. Well, right. that's the NFL. Let's jump into a little NBA real quick before we go, and let's tell everyone where we've been for <laughs> excuse me for the last week or so, and we had a chance to go down to South Beach, uh, to Miami, Florida, to kind of, to watch the Mavericks take on uh, the Miami Heat and kind of see the whole. Heat um, Arena and what they got going on in Miami, and I, I want to say this: you know, I've been to, I've had a chance to go to some good arenas in the NBA. Right. I went to the uh, Staples Center for the first time this year, a place I always wanted to go to, and now going to the American Airlines Arena. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think Miami. I want to give them my hats off to them. I think they've done a good job of kind of recreating that superstar-like atmosphere that you get in the Staples Center down there in Miami. I mean, from the flames shooting up at the beginning of the game to, <laughs> to having the crowd involved. I mean, that crowd was a very, very loud crowd. It was almost oh, like yeah. a playoff oh, game yeah. atmosphere for the Mavericks. It was a good game. It went into overtime. The way they've done their locker room, I mean, everything about it, it, it just it just kind of feels like a championship type of atmosphere in that building. Of course, they've got, you know, uh, two titles, but it just felt it right. felt totally different. Uh, really being being inside that arena, it feels different than being inside American Airlines. So let's just say that. Uh, but I want to get my hats off to Miami and the way they put it together. I mean, you got superstars in the building. You got, you know, everything going on with South Beach this week from the BCS Championship coming up. And I just, I just was, was really impressed by the whole presentation of the game. Uh, and so was I, Rodney. Uh, and, you know, I was in there as a uh, reporter, writer, but I, you know, I kind of got caught up in the emotion myself. Like you said, uh, who, who you can't help but love basketball in Miami. Like I said, from the from the fans to the city, to the organization. What a class organization! What a class group of guys. Uh, the players are available to you. Uh, they love those guys there, and, and even the surrounding the uh, AA Center. It's a sight to look at. I had to, you know, sit there for a moment and just take it all in because what a great city, what a great place, what a great basketball team. <laughs> and I was more surprised that the Mavericks were competitive and took it to overtime than anything else. And I really got caught up in the game because what a great game. But as we all know, the Mavericks couldn't close it out. No, they couldn't close it out. They lose a tough game, and they've lost 11 of the last 13 games, uh, including this game against the New Orleans Hornets. What it went overtime and lost to a Hornets team that only had seven wins going into the game. And the story broke out yesterday from Tim McMahon at ESPN, talking about Dirk Nowitzki, talking about his uh, not understanding what the team was going for, how you can't build a team based on hope. He specifically mentioned how they did not get Chris Paul, did not get Darren Williams. He doesn't feel like Dwight Howard is going to leave L.A. He doesn't see any reason why he would leave L.A. or why Chris Paul would leave the Clippers. He doesn't understand exactly where the franchise is going. And Dirk has a right to be frustrated. In my opinion, Absolutely. he has a right to be frustrated for what he's given this city, for giving this team for the last 14 years having a title and then watching the team that won the title get broken up in the in the small pieces and now having a bunch of guys on this team with one-year deals that are playing like bench players right. that they are, and he has right. the right to be frustrated. 
Absolutely. You know, this story for me started two years ago after they won a championship, not to bring that team or keep these core group of guys together for the next year. And we saw them falling off last year. And really, it, it, it continued through the summer when we were with Jason Terry, and he didn't get the call from the math to return, and they let Jason Kidd get away. I, I Listen, all along from the time they rolled out the eight new players this season, I knew this team was doomed. I, I felt sorry for Dirk then. I really feel sorry for Dirk now because, you know, and look what they gave him to play with. Like you said, a lot of bench players, a lot of guys that were amnesty or cut from the team. You you know, you bring them in, expect these guys to all of a sudden become superstars or things. O.J. Mayo started out being one of the best players on the team, and he's not consistent in his numbers that fell off. But they only had one player without Dirk that, that was really showing any kind of progress, and that was O.J. Mayo. And teams figured out a way to stop him. But uh, uh, Dirk has absolutely the right to be pissed because, you know, this team won't win 50 games this year. And for the last 11 past seasons, this has always been a 50-win team. I don't see them winning 30 games, right? Yeah. And, yeah, you, it's, you know, it's pretty bad. And, and it, it, it's bad. And you can see it. In the locker room, you and I in the locker room, you don't see the, the same camaraderie we saw two years ago with Jason Terry and Jason Kidd. The locker room is not even the same. Uh, as we've been covering the math, that's always been joking back and forth. You can see the camaraderie between the guys. These guys were close. You know, they, they, they talked. Uh, you know, you were in there for hours talking and interviewing guys. Now you're going there somber, everybody's heads down. Uh, you know, losing really changes the culture of a team. That's and, true. And, and, and this franchise is so used to winning, and the fans are so used to winning, that they're starting to lose fans. And now, you know, I, I put all this square on the shoulders of Mark Cuban. I also feel, you know, feel sorry for Coach Carlisle. I mean, what else can he do? He's played everybody. He's but you know what? Here's the thing, though. I think, I think the story's being made out to be that Dirk is just so, you know, so doubtful. He's so upset about the direction the team is going into, that he's got a, a riff of what everybody else thinks. But I think Dirk feels the same way that Rick Carlisle feels, that Mark Cuban feels. I think they all feel the same way. They've seen this franchise get built up, and, and throw Sean Marion in for that matter. I think all yeah. of those guys feel the exact same way. They, they thought they yeah. had a plan going into it. They thought these guys were going to come in here and play with some authority and play better. And I think they all feel the same way. I don't think it's just dirt, you know, on an island by itself. I think all those guys feel the same way. You know, and it, it's not from a lack of trying from these guys. And we see, you know, I, I've seen Collison and, and and these guys and Cayman and Crowder. We've seen these guys play their heart out, you know. But they, they're not competitive. They hadn't been together long. They're not a cohesive group. You know, turnovers are killing them because they don't know these guys. You don't know where to put the ball. You don't know where a guy's spot is, you know. And with Dirk coming in, that changes the whole chemistry of the team. But it, there was never much chemistry because Carlisle has tried every lineup on that bench. Every guy has been in the lineup. No productivity. These guys are, like you say, they, they, they're used to coming off the bench. They're not used to being starters. And they even brought in Derek Fisher. I retirement to come play. And what that last two weeks? 
Yeah, about two and, weeks. And he yep. left, so he must have saw something in that team. That, that's telling me that Derek Fisher saw something that said, I don't even want to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, know, they got to do something you know, pretty quick because the trade deadline's coming up. I think they're going to be looking to trade players, but, yeah, again, but, but, but look but, around but the league, the, who wants these guys? Who's available? Who's available? Yeah. yeah. And do you go with the guys you already have to finish out the season? Nobody's available. They had they had their chance during the summer to go get guys. We saw everybody else in the league do that, but the Mavs, you know, they sat around, they held their uh, franchise hostage for Darren Williams, which he didn't sign. And we know Mark Cuban didn't make that trip to try to sell him on that. Uh, they last minute tried to make a last minute deal with Jason Kidd. Of course, he shawned them too. And uh, like I said, the day they marked, those five guys out, I, I, I shook my head. I knew he was in trouble. I had hope, like everybody else did, but it's not working. And, and I am going to blame Cuban because he had a championship team. They won a championship. And, and that's the time you said, well, I'm not going to worry about the checkbook or the bank account. It's a chance for me to, to create a dynasty, win multiple championships. And like I said, this has always been a 50 win team, and we won't see it this year. I doubt if they even make the playoffs. But uh, you can see the frustration not only on Coach Carlisle, but everybody else in the organization. I mean, you know, yeah. what, you know, Carlisle's coming out every week and try to defend these guys or try to make some kind of sense of this. And, you know, he's got to the point where he can't even explain it anymore and just say, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, yeah. and I heard him say the other day, I, I don't know what else to do. You know, I've done everything. You know, he even went back to bases. I heard he yelled at two players in practice the other day, you know, trying to get them. But you can't make a superstar out of nothing. I mean, these guys, yeah. they, they just don't have it. Well, they're 13 and 21 right now. They go on a three-game road trip, which starts tonight against Utah. After that, on Wednesday they take on the Clippers, which is the hottest team in the NBA. Uh-huh. And then Definitely. on Thursday they end their road trip against the Sacramento Kings. So they could actually come back to this road trip with three more losses. I mean, it's pretty. You know, Utah's a tough place to play. Number one, of course, the Clippers. We know how good they are and how much of a show they put on against the Mavericks right. earlier in the season. Then Sacramento's no pushover team uh, when you talk about the Mavericks at all either. So, and to lose to the Hornets, one of the worst teams, it, you know that game shouldn't even went to overtime, you know. And to lose to the Hornets of all people, you know, and and you know, and what's so bad, the crowd was into it, and, and it shouldn't even got to that point. And, uh, but uh, you know. I would continue to, uh, you know, be behind the Mavericks, but you know, it's, it's really not a lot to talk about, and, and we have well, to talk about your other team, your team, the Lakers. I think they're both in the same situation, and it's unfortunate to see two great franchises that always came down to those two teams facing each other in the playoffs. You know, uh, for the West to not even be in it, and let's talk well, about we, your we, Lakers. We'll definitely have to get into them when we have more time, of course, running up against it for this uh, this show today. But, again, we'll be on this entire week. And make sure you go to our website, rfsportsradio.com, or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. Before we go real quick, I want to touch on two quick topics. Number one, Friday night I thought I saw some of the best football I've seen in quite some time with Johnny Manziel 
and the Texas A&M team. They, Absolutely. they beat up on Oklahoma 41-13. to And for what I saw, Royce, with this Texas A&M team, they could actually be a legitimate contender for the next couple of years if Manziel decides to stay. Of course, we know South Lake Carroll's quarterback, Kenny Hill, will be replacing Johnny Manziel, who is really just like Johnny Manziel, but a lot bigger. Absolutely. And, and I think that we're seeing a change in the type of quarterback, judging from what Manziel's doing in the college ranks, Russell Wilson in the in the uh, NFL ranks, or RG3 for that matter. And, and I was very impressed with Johnny football from what I saw. I mean, the guy was unstoppable. Of course, he's got a great offensive line. But from what I saw from A&M, I was very, very, very impressed. This guy could win another Heisman next year. Absolutely, and he showed why he did win a Heisman Trophy in that game. Perfect game. And you're right, Texas A&M will be around for years to come. They have a great recruiting class coming in this year. We saw some of the recruits that are going to be there next year. And listen, they got some of the most talented guys in Texas football, period, that will be in that program, and they can't get anything but better. And you guys that are listening on, uh, uh, nationally listening to our show, to show you how big of a win that was for A&M, uh, Oklahoma Sooners number one recruit uh, from Jesuit here locally, a uh, number one defensive recruit, actually right. decommitted to the Sooners after the game and went ahead and committed to play at Texas A&M uh, after watching right. them play at the Cotton Bowl. So, mm. uh, again, they, again, everyone wants to go play in the SEC, and now they have a great chance to play with Texas A&M and what they've been building together. Uh, real quick before we go, Royce, got to give our BCS predictions for tonight. Notre Dame taking on Alabama. Of course, Notre Dame undefeated. Alabama with one loss, ironically, to Johnny Menzel and Texas A&M. So tell me what you think about this game, who wins, and what the score? what is the score going to be? I, I, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. And I'm going to shock you today. I think Notre Dame is going to upset Alabama. Wow. Okay. I'm taking an upset tonight. I, you know, I, at the beginning of the week, I was saying Alabama. But uh, I think the Irish, the, the Fighting Irish got their, <laughs> they got their swagger back, man. And I think they're going to come in and prove a lot of people wrong. I, I, mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah, I think Notre Dame really, really has a great chance to win. I, I've been wanting them to win since they, the game was set. And right. I think they'll win. I think they have a great chance to win. I think people are, <laughs> me, I think people are really underestimating uh, their quarterback, uh, Golson. I know he's smaller. Right. I know he's kind of growing into his role. But I think they're underestimating how good this guy's going to be tonight. Right. So I see, I see Notre Dame winning. And, and just the whole Notre Dame attitude and mystique, you know, these guys, <laughs> they got that – I'm not going to say 12th man, but that 12th mystique, the Irish mystique, or mystique of the Irish, whatever you want to call it behind them, that goes a long way. Believe it or not, it really does go, go well, a long see, way. I see the score being Notre Dame uh, over over the tide, 17-10 is my score. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's good. I go with that, 17-10, 16-10. I don't see any teams scoring more than 21 points. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be a defensive game. Well, we thank everyone for tuning in, of course, to our show. Make sure you check with us throughout the entire week by going to rfsportsradio.com and follow us on Twitter as well for myself and for Royce. Thank everyone for listening, and we'll see you guys uh, next show, which will be this week. Again, thank you for tuning in to Real Fan Sports Radio, rfsportsradio.com.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.